fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris Field. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Parker Clare. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And Alex Sinar. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Also featuring the talents of Bigfoot as your producer. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Spiel. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex. And we watched our second movie in the Edie, Meanie, Miney, May series featuring Cole Meanie movies. It's called Law Abiding Citizen, also starring in a minor role, Gerard Butler. Uh, so, Alex, question to you. Is this the best Gerard Butler movie ever made, not including the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy? I thought you were going to say not including all the ones that we've already watched, and <laughs> the answer is still a resounding no, because this movie sucks ass. <laughs> it really does. Now, here's the thing about it, is for the first act, I was really enjoying it. I was having a really good time. I thought, wow, this is actually a lot better than I was expecting. This might be too good for an episode. Then the second act happens, you're like, oh, well, they don't have to do that. This can kind of, well, nah, well, if they stick the landing, then, you know, maybe this will be pretty good. <laughs> Turns out that was wrong, a way buddy. bigger if than I was anticipating. <laughs> uh, so before we get into wrong. all that, uh, Parker, do we have any news? Oh, buddy. <laughs> do we ever? <laughs> Alex, I'll let you handle that, because that, I couldn't even click on it. I read the headline and... Shut this course. I also didn't click on it. I just wanted you to do the hard work. Uh oh. So, okay, I have two pieces of actual news, but here's the thing that's not really news, but I read it earlier today while pooping, as one does, and it stayed with me all day. This is more for Chris, because, as you know, you were very passionate about Fury Road. Yeah. Someone published a huge oral history of it, and I came across a sentence in here that says Zoe Kravitz, one of the five wives of the fling of Morton Joe, I did a chemistry test with Jeremy Renner reading for Max because they hadn't hired Tom yet. And that sentence has been just jingling around in my head all day. That we were that close to having Jeremy Renner as one angry Max. Uh, I have not been able to just... I've been reimagining the movie start to finish with his stupid goddamn face in it. And also with his hair from Endgame. Oh, I mean, yeah... Man, okay, first of all, link me to the oral history. And second of all, boy, that makes your skin crawl. <laughs> I've never seen just once... Oh, there's also another banger, but it's while I have it open. The email I got from Mel Gibson's wife asking how many Muslims there may or may not be in Namibia, and therefore how interested she may or may not be for the whole family coming to visit. Big shouts out to the Gibson family. <laughs> hey, uh, how's the, how's the shoot going? Oh, we're doing all scouting. Cool. What's that Muslim count like? Are we looking like low teens or how many digits? <laughs> yeah, good times all about. It's weird how they didn't get him back for this, even in a cameo role. Uh, what other pieces of news do you have? You know, the world's starting to reopen again. Restaurants are opening some places, stores are letting more people in. And that means we all have to heal as a unit, and the world is starting to heal itself. And that means Bright 2 is in development. <laughs> Chris, oh my God. buddy, how do you feel about 
maybe we'll just like shut down for another two years and see what happens. Well, this is the next Star Wars. <laughs> Every time it gets retweeted, I feel like I get to skip my step. Uh, <laughs> Fuck Max Landis now and forever. You know the weird thing about him is like even if he wasn't like a bad screenwriter, even if he wasn't, even if he didn't get me too'd, I'd still say fuck him because look at his face. It is such a punchable face. Look at his face slash entire body of work. Ugh, Just yeah. fuck him forever. Cannot stand him. But yeah, we'll watch it. We'll do an episode on it. Oh, of course. And you know what? I'm sure like you, you, try, you all try and avoid the news because it's just a fucking nightmare everywhere you turn. So you just try and focus on like, well, let's focus on entertainment stuff. You know, what's coming soon, what's moving around. Then you just wake up, open your phone, and see like, ah, confirmed, Boba Fett returning. And you just don't even read any further <laughs> because like, <laughs> it just hurts. <laughs> Everything hurts. As a wise man once said, no one's ever really gone. Everything will be canon. Don't worry about it. And of I course, genuinely don't understand. Who likes Star Wars anymore? Who's gonna go watch buddy, this stuff? We'll fucking get there. I have had... I went on some journeys this week. I'm very excited to talk to you. But here's the headline that I read today. The headline that almost made me take a nap. Which is, Guru Studio and Sesame Workshop team up for Sesame Street Mecha spinoff. <laughs> I still have not clicked the link. I don't know what this is. But a part of me doesn't want to know. Just until it exists in its purest form. I just want to be surprised. I mean, you just turn on the TV, you know, it goes to commercial, there's a giant Elmo mech. Because the preview picture is a Cookie Monster mech holding a giant cookie. I don't know if that's a Photoshop. I don't know if that's concept art. I just want to wake up one day and get a, a ping in Discord of, hey, have you seen this? And just see a YouTube link. And then know, like, hey, maybe thank everything. We're all going to be okay. Like, we're <laughs> finally going to start healing as a country. Snuffleupagus was already a mech. <laughs> On a smaller <laughs> scale. Hey, shut up. <laughs> shut up. All right. Do we have any jerks of the week? Always, buddy. <laughs> yes, but mine right. ties directly into what I watched this week. Okay, so you, we'll have you go last, then. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Uh, or, I guess, save it for the recently watched. Uh, Alex, would you like to go first? Absolutely. And okay. to, to make up for last week, I come to you with not one, but two jerks of the week. Uh-oh. So, first jerk of the week. Now, you know, it's 2020. There's a lot going on in the world. What, and of course, that means more cancellations. R.I.P. to Brian Adams. We stand a king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But let me let me tell you about something that's not canceled. While most bands are conceding that touring won't happen for at least the next several months due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, Shinedown frontman Brent Smith says his band is planning as if they're hitting the road this summer. As he puts it, "We are not afraid to play for you." He goes on <laughs> to discuss. Obviously, our number one priority is the safety of the public, but also we want the public to know something from us, uh, from us to all of them out there. We are not afraid to play for you. We want to do everything safely and want to go by the professionals, the medical community, and what we need to do, but you can't stay inside forever. Your immune system and everything about this virus, I want people to understand this, is that if you shelter at home for too long, it's going to deplete your immune system. <laughs> I appreciate his courage in touring for us, the people. <laughs> Skip, you know I'm passionate about the health of the society. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I like how we're just kind of like, okay, surely the sentence in. No, he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> this man's got something to say. <laughs> Thank you, guy from Shinedown. I mean, he's literally talking about, like, your HP. He's talking about if you stay inside too long, your hearts start to go away. <laughs> Dude, let's be real. If we all went to a Shinedown show, we would have a room to social distance. Exactly. <laughs> and you'd come back stronger than ever. Because you've <laughs> recharged your aura. Chris, I'm just a simple kind of man. <laughs> I love that that's their song. Is a fucking shitty cover. <laughs> God, I fucking hate Shinedown. It's so cool. Won't find them on the Dracula 2000 playlist. <laughs> if only. <laughs> and my other jerk of the week is the entire internet. It was something that I found out yesterday that is just absolutely unconscionably forgiv- unforgivable. So, are you guys familiar with this big news story in Australia right now? Yes. Wait, yes, no, I am. No. What? I sure am. I'm okay. memory. Maybe I heard about it. Maybe I did. Maybe I. All right. Is it the China so, thing? No. Chris, um, I promise so... you, if you heard about it, you wouldn't know. <laughs> All right, Chris. So, yeah. basically, this, this like, rich dude bro tech guy in Australia was just driving his Porsche 911, methed out of his fucking mind, gets pulled over by the cops. And as the cops are interrogating him, like, they get hit by a semi and four of them die. It's this huge story in Australia right now. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's apparently this big thing. Yeah. And more importantly, the man in question's name is Dick Pussy. <laughs> You're also forgetting that after the cops got hit, he just started live streaming on his phone. <laughs> talking <laughs> mad shit. There's so many legs to the story that we could spend ten minutes getting into because I have been down a fucking rabbit hole since I found out about it. But the fact that this happened in like the middle of April and I just found out yesterday that a man named Richard Pussy is the biggest story in Australia right now is unforgivable. Just what are we doing? Methed out this Porsche There's something and then wrong just... with international journalism. Just recording a fucking eat that pussy face cam as cops get fucking yeeted by a semi truck. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, my jerk of the week. Uh, my jerk of the week. I got a runner up. My runner up is my landlord who decided that uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. You know, Chris is about to lay down, maybe take a little nap before trivia. Uh, now's a really good time to wash all the carpets in the house as loud as possible <laughs> with a hose. So. Uh, that was great. Wait, someone just sprayed your house down with a hose? I think so. That's what it fucking sounded like. Uh, every room but mine, because I'm again, trying to sleep here. And uh, she's not actually my jerk of the week. My real jerk of the week is my neighbor, who, this has to be collusion, decided that that was a perfect time to run the leaf blower. So I got <clears throat> maybe three hours of sleep, and it was all during trivia. So thanks for nothing. I am running on empty here. So... Yeah, really liked law-abiding citizen. Good thing you were energized by a quality film that was two hours for some reason. Oh yeah, really wakes you up. <laughs> I hope you know the difference between justice and law. No. Oh. <laughs> okay, so for recently watched, I only watched one movie this week besides Law Abiding Citizen. Now, we talk about personal projects here every once in a while. Sometimes that can go really well, and sometimes it doesn't go well at all. This one, I oh, think, no. for the most part, worked out. Uh, we also talk about Richard Linklater's filmography. 
That's a filmography that's all oh, over okay. the place. Yeah. Now so, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard Linklater's done, uh, what was it, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, Before Sunrise, and the I, I like Before Sunset and Before Sunrise. I like those a lot. I also watched School of Rock. That's a very, very different movie. I also watched the remake of The Bad News Bears. I don't know why that oh, movie exists. Jesus. Just, why, did, why did he make that movie, you know? I expect Why him, did like, you watch that movie it was on tv i wasn't paying attention that was years and years ago uh but the one that i watched was boyhood uh sorry i no i actually ended up enjoying it and part maybe the reason that i enjoyed it is because i kind of like the idea behind it the idea is that he followed a young boy with a camera for 12 years as a catholic that's really personal to me and uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm definitely personal for a second like oh wait a second <laughs> it was yes. that moment of was he serious <laughs> no <laughs> no uh, so i if anyone listening is not familiar with this uh, Richard Linklater announced a project, I think in 2002, and he said, yeah, I'm just going to uh, make a movie, and it'll take me 12 years, and I'll film a little bit of this kid's life, and kind of write the script along with the story and see how it changes and stuff like that. Uh, and for some reason, IFC gave him $200,000 a year, just said, yeah, go nuts, man. And uh, he made other movies in the meantime, and finally this was released back in 2014. A lot of people called it the best movie of 2014. I think that's they foolish. <laughs> the Raid 2 came out in 2014. What are we doing here? Uh, Boyhood, I, I ended up liking, and I think part of it is because you kind of get out of it what you put into it. And I, I kind of look at it as a very human experience. I... I think there's a lot of stuff that I really relate to. I think the the biggest problem that I have with the movie is that the main character is way cooler than I was as a kid. And I think that's not fair. And it made me feel bad about myself. But here's probably the biggest problem. I, you can't take 12 years to make this super personal that everyone's talking about and have it just be okay to pretty good. It kind of feels like, I mean, especially for two hours and 45 minutes, I need something a little bit extra because if you look at like the Metacritic, it's got, what's they have like a hundred views on uh, Metacritic and they're all overwhelmingly positive. I, I, I kind of struggle to sign on with all of those. There's a lot of really good moments in here and a lot of moments that have some of the worst acting I have ever seen. And not even from like the main characters, Patricia Arquette's pretty good, but some of his kid friends simply cannot act. They are just reading lines and you can tell. And it, does it add up to a good experience? I guess. I, I A lot of other people I've talked to didn't enjoy it as much as I did either. But, uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, it? Like, when I went into it, I was like, oh, cool gimmick. Maybe this will be interesting. And then it wasn't interesting. And I spent, like, the last third of the movie thinking, but what if the Anakin Skywalker kid was in this instead? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh I, I, ambitious, cool idea. It's, I just think it doesn't work. Like... I, I'm going to make a comparison that might be controversial for Chris in particular, but also the listeners. I got the same feeling watching this movie I got when I was playing Portal, which is a game that I am very lukewarm on. Because it's like, oh, this is a cool tech demo. Oh, it's been 45 minutes. I'm tired of just clicking the Portal gun already. Oh, yeah. I, just, I, think like it, I felt like this had one trick. This movie had one trick, and it went for three hours. Well, I'll, I'll separate these two a little bit. I First of all, I, I do really like Portal. I think I prefer Portal 2 because I, I like humor in games, and Portal had only a couple jokes. Uh, the fans ruined that one. 
Boyhood doesn't really say a whole lot. Uh, I, I actually think they could have been in really good shape if when that kid got to college and someone offered him a beer, if he had turned it down, I would like, finally, you've said something. You've done something important here. Uh, I kept there like there's so many times where they're setting up bowling pins and just letting them uh, lay there. A lot of gutter balls in a movie that literally has gutter balls in it. Like there's a point where his his grandfather gives him a double barreled shotgun. I'm like, OK, here it is. A commentary on guns, a school shooting something you got to give me something to work with here i'm not saying i need a tragic ending because there is a scene where he's driving and he briefly glances at a phone that his girlfriend shows him i'm like is he going to crash the car is what what's going to do you know i i didn't learn anything there's a whole lot of uh, i think the biggest problem here is for all the moments of really great writing in there which are the simplest moments uh, Richard Linkler is at his worst when he tries to be uh, philosophical. Like, what's all the point of this, man? Oh, I don't think there is a point to it, man. You just gotta, like, appreciate the human moments, man. And that that stuff sucks. That stuff really sucks. You're not saying anything. And you're not even posing interesting questions that, and you're asking us to fill in the blanks here. I, again, there, there are parts I really, really like. There are parts that were hard for me to watch just like in Law Abiding Citizen, which is a very similar movie. Uh, I, I, overall, I enjoy it. Parker, have you seen Boyhood? I couldn't get through it. I, I wouldn't expect you to. There's... Buddy, I wish this movie was linked shorter, folks. Yeah, okay, but I the, got uh... an hour and a half in, I paused it and went, I don't give a shit about this kid. And that yeah. was the end of that. Yeah. I, I got really, really mad when I found out that kid was a lot cooler than I was. But here's the one that I really want to bring it up for. Parker, for one minute in this 165-minute movie, this kid plays uh -huh. Halo 2 with his friend, and he picks up an energy sword and kills his friend from behind, and his friend opines that that is not fair. Like your thoughts on the matter. Keep your head on a swivel, casual. <laughs> cool. Now I know Richard Linklater's never played video games. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I followed a kid around with a camera. I'm making a movie. Yeah, isn't that what fucking Pete Townsend said? Just asking questions, folks. <laughs> I uh, hate fake gamers. Yeah, so I I can say I like it, but I, I certainly wouldn't call it the best movie of 2014. Again, The Raid 2. It's right there. What are we doing? Uh, Alex, what did you watch? All right. I'm only going to talk about a couple. Most, mostly because I'm going to leave one of these for Parker, because he actually <laughs> got to watch the whole thing, because I cannot do, like, time math. But, uh, all right, so travel back to two weeks ago. We stopped recording. Parker and I have just been talking about, you know, how much we've been listening to Numb Encore over the past, you know. Get him, Jay. <laughs> how many DMs between us have there been that just say, get him, Jay, in the past two weeks? Um, a concerning amount. <laughs> so anyway, um, I walk away from my desktop and go to, uh, you know, start packing up my laptop to get ready for bed. See that Spotify is still open on the Linkin Park page. And it's, it's scrolled all the way up to the bottom, where, you know, if you guys have ever used Spotify, it's, you know, albums that uh, that this artist appears on. And I see Valentine, music from the motion picture. So, of course, I'm intrigued. I click on it, and I will read from top to bottom on this soundtrack that I happen but by chance stumble across. Rob Zombie, Disturbed, Static X, Linkin Park, Deftones, Orgy. Marilyn Manson. And at this point, I stopped, I closed my laptop, I walked to the living room, and just put the movie on. It's so, it is. That is a movie squarely in our wheelhouse. It like, is. Oh, man. It's, that cast. It's not. Like, like okay, yeah. So, so that cast. It's, uh... <laughs> Doesn't it's, Catherine uh, Heigl just get fucking Yeah, yeah, no. It, it's... So, it's, it's a movie. It's about these five girls. 
it's uh, Denise Richards, Catherine Heigl, the girl from Bubble Boy, and two people you don't care about. It's so good. The this is growing up. The entire setup of the fucking movie is that, like, like the, the opening scene is it's this kid at like his middle school dance, this fucking loser kid, just going up to all the pretty girls and asking them to dance and getting shot down. Finally, he settles on the fat girl. And he's like, "Yeah, you want to dance?" He's like, "Yeah, okay, sure." And you know, they uh, they're making out under the bleachers, and then the school bullies find them and go, "Hey, is this guy bothering you?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, ew, get away from me, creep!" So then they beat the shit out of him, tear off all his clothes, and pour punch on his head. And this movie is like his revenge story <laughs> on these girls that trolled him in a middle school dance. <laughs> Parker, would you like to reveal to everybody? Who the killer is in this movie? <laughs> Isn't it fucking David Boreanaz? It's the guy from Bones. <laughs> so fucking good. It's awesome. supposed to be like a dramatic reveal, but like you're like ten minutes in the movie, you go, oh, the guy from Bones is in this. I guess he's the bad guy. There's only one actor in this movie I've ever seen before, so I guess <laughs> it's him. Also, same director as. Urban, urban legend. legend, baby. <laughs> there we go. The, From the director the of Urban Legend was... of all future episodes. <laughs> I honestly, like, I, I legitimately paused and was like, have we done Urban Legend yet? I just assumed, you know? <laughs> oh, don't worry. October is creeping up on us. Oh, God bless. Such a good movie. <laughs> yeah, Valentine, like, even by those standards, sucks ass, but also that soundtrack <laughs> is so good. Like, it's not good, but it did absolutely everything I wanted it to do. So Also, very good mask. Wasted on this unbelievably <laughs> shitty movie. <laughs> it's so bad. And, like, Parker, you are much more of an expert on slashers than I am. Like, but even by my very limited, limited exposure, not great. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's <laughs> so like, oh, man, I love movies from this time period. They're all cheesy and shit. And I remember being an hour in, I was like... I guess that's why no one ever talks about this one, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is pretty bad. But also, when has that ever stopped me? Correct. Now, I'm only going to talk about one other movie before I hand it off to you. Have you guys seen Dead Alive? Oh, Not buddy. yet. Not yet. I'm oh, waiting for buddy. it. I'm trying to get to it. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, your prior comment to me makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That is a film. Boy, is it. So, as you guys know, I'm not the biggest fan of zombie movies, and I'm not the biggest fan of horror comedies. But somebody was like, I'm just gonna throw this bad boy on. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll watch it with you, why not? The whole fucking thing's on YouTube. Like, it's... why not? You put something on YouTube in 4K, I'll, I'll pay a little bit more attention. And I really didn't know what to expect, because again, it's, it's two genres that I don't really like. Now, Chris, I, I, was, I assume you're familiar with, like, what this movie is yes yes i am <laughs> all right so I'll, I'll explain it to the listeners this is basically like the highest budget b movie ever made directed by one peter jackson it's fucking insane it is it's incredible like, that he made this and then someone's tell us just like yeah go ahead lord of the rings let's see it just i i can't I, I can't stress it's literally a movie that you've seen before that was made for like 40 grand except with a three million dollar budget it's so like, fucking cool. And because of it, like, you can tell just how much fun, like, the prop people are having with this. Oh, it's yeah. It's like, what the fuck? We can, we can just do that? Like, 
I mean, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through all of it, but like some of the things that in this movie that are in this movie, there is a stop motion monkey. Oh my there, god! <laughs> I forgot about the monkey. <laughs> there are greasers. There are zombies preventing a sexual assault. So you know, thank you, zombies. We appreciate it. There is a priest who gets bit by a zombie, and in his well, if I'm going down, I'm taking these zombies with me. Scene does literally three minutes of karate on like zombie extras and it's super fucking cool like it's the kind of movie where like every time like they're about to do like a stunt it's like something that you know you've seen done poorly in like a shitty movie before and it's like oh they're not gonna do this right and then he actually does go through a crowd of zombies with a lawnmower for five straight minutes as blood and like like hacked off shitty limbs just fly everywhere like i remember seeing that movie knowing its full reputation and getting that lawnmower scene and being like how the fuck yep can you afford that much blood and squibs and jesus christ like like i'm just sitting there watching it like he he opens the door with the lawnmower and i'm just like oh there's no way there's no fucking way and i just got so giddy because i knew that it was gonna deliver like it is absolutely a treat of shitty practical effects, even if you find none of the humor and that kind of stuff funny. And, like, it's a bad movie by a real director. Like, an intentionally bad movie by a real director. And that can go so wrong. But, like, you're just watching you're like, oh, this is why he makes good movies. Because, like, the one thing that just struck out to me is, like, there's this hideously ugly zombie baby puppet, right? Oh, like, my God. It is thing. just, it is unpleasant to look at. You know, you, you've seen movies with bad props. Like, it just it's like, oh, God, I can't wait for that thing to die. But it's a Peter Jackson movie, so he knows that you want to see the puppet <laughs> die. So he just teases it for an hour and a half of just, like, here's the fucking zombie baby slow motion falling into a moving blender. And then at the last second, it gets knocked out of the way. Like, shit like that. It's like, God damn it, just kill the ugly baby already. But, like, you appreciate it. I... I I was tickled. I was absolutely tickled. I was I'm real, real happy with that experience. The scene where they're eating dinner, like, viscerally <laughs> upset me in ways that movies don't usually get me. <laughs> I watch this shit all the time, even I was looking away, like, I can't... I can't it's so pussy, I can't do it. <laughs> it is, like, it is literally just impressive, is the word for the gore in that movie. God, I should watch and, like, it again. It's, it's been, it's, like, a decade. It's, it's shitty B-movie gore, so it's not, like offensive to your sensibilities or intimidating it's just like buckets of fake blood being thrown on things. it's like if someone because i'm sure it was like just some fucking new zealand kid like who loves evil dead like hey here's your government grant go make a movie he's like you can buy a lot of corn syrup with that money right. oh yeah <laughs> turns out you can just paint the fucking walls red everything oh, that i've heard yeah. is called this the bloodiest movie of all time which is it is I, insane. I, I would really, really like to watch it. It's in my future. I know. Oh, I am by volume. Yeah, by volume, it has to be. Like I said, yeah. it's 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 in 4K on YouTube. You don't have an excuse. Like, it's absolutely so much more worth your time than you think it is. Like, it's. I had a blast. I really did. Oh my goodness! I'm so alive. <laughs> I'm so excited. Not alive. I do feel alive. Dead alive. 4K. Oh my good. Oh my good. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, all right, Parker. What did you watch? Okay, let me start with something I want to say to you that I never, in all of my life, thought I would say to you, Alex. Oh no! You should really, really watch Bad Boys for Life. It is okay. 
so fucking good. <laughs> and that is why my jerk of the week is whoever cut that trailer. Because I think we all have the exact same reaction of like, I'm like uncomfortable. Like they don't look like they want to be here. None of these jokes work. I my skin is crawling. This is so sad. The movie's so fucking good. <laughs> it's right. so good. Josh also right. liked it, so like Mixed it is opinions. literally a character-driven movie, which neither Bad Boys movies are. <laughs> Correct. It, it has an arc, and there's personal growth, and there's stakes. And it also gets super violent at times. Like, the opening of the movie is this incredibly violent prison breakout. It's... I turned on this movie, like... My girlfriend had, like, less than no interest, but... She was like, yeah, whatever, put it on. And one of the first five minutes, the prison guards see the washing machine, open it up, and just an arm falls out and a bunch of blood pours out. She's like, I don't remember that in the first movie. Kind of sitting up in her seat. <laughs> it's, it has some legitimately good jokes that, like... I've been repeating for the last week that I absolutely don't want to ruin. It is easily the biggest surprise I've had this year because I had less than no expectations, but like I got nothing but time. Fuck it. The first two were on Netflix. I just watched them. I might as well. It is. It's really good. I never thought I would be like, man, bring on Bad Boys 4, but this is the boat <laughs> I find myself in now. It was really good. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, my goodness. I forgot about a movie I watched. <laughs> You know, not to be an old back-in-my-day kind of guy, but remember when memes were funny for more than, like, two days? Yeah. Now we got the Carol Baskin shit, you know. Where you see something funny and it wouldn't just be run into the ground because we weren't just a giant monoculture. Like, the internet was still so fucking split up between weirdos. And one of my most favorite memes of all... Is from the movie The Number 23. Yes! <laughs> oh, Y'all. man. I, is this the one I'm thinking of? We say future episode a lot. This We really should have this as a future I, episode. I, I know we've talked about this before. I'm surprised we haven't like, done it. That's the thing is we just didn't put it on the list. Uh, that's an oopsie on us. When I hit play and saw directed by Joel Schumacher, that was a real <laughs> sitting upright like, excuse me? Okay, man. So here's the thing about Joel Schumacher and, like, style. So, uh, when he's reading this book that he gets, like, also, I'm not gonna spoil it, but you're, you're gonna figure it out. It's not fucking difficult. He imagines it as, like, some neo-noir detective. And that, when Joel Schumacher does that, that means it's Jim Carrey standing on a porch with an open window behind him. Rain pouring down, just holding a saxophone. And also, he has really cool tribal tats, because that's how you know this version of him is a badass. I miss so dearly any time, so like, you'd just be reading some random thread and someone be like, oh yes, but that plus that equals that, divided by two. <laughs> Holy shit, 23, and just derail the entire thing. <laughs> it all adds up to 23. <laughs> like, I expect, like, okay, like, how long can they really go with this before it gets silly? Before the first act is even over, they're already pulling like the, ah, oh, that equals 32, the reverse of 23. Like, <laughs> no fucking time. Hang on, I wrote down someone's dialogue here. It is super good. Okay. <clears throat> pink is my favorite color. Do you know what pink is? Red, 27. White, 65. 65 plus 27, 92. Pink has four letters. 92 divided by four. 20 fucking three. <laughs> it is... <laughs> A thousand percent of future episode, like it is dumb as bricks. It's 
kind of really sucks, but also it is incredibly funny. Because I think we have a culture just forgotten about when Jim Carrey was trying to do, like, real movies for a while. Before he was like, no, I'll just go back and do, like, fun with Dick and Jane. Mr. Popper's Penguins. <laughs> I forgot about Mr. Popper's Penguins. It also, like, he has a wife and a kid, and within, like, a day, the kid's like, you're right, Dad, the number 23's everywhere. <laughs> so, what is more ridiculous? 32 is 23 reversed, or 666 is actually 999 is in 1999? <laughs> you say that, Chris, but maybe 23 is just so, like, heavenly, because... It's two divided by three, which is point six six six, the number of the beast. Twenty-three. Michael Jordan wore twenty-three. Michael Jordan played in Chicago. Bobby Chicago's from Chicago. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the puzzle pieces are going together. <laughs> also, the episode will be horrendous because it will be an hour of us just going, the numbers, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking literally like maybe at most 30 minutes into the movie, he's already writing numbers all over the walls and all over his arms and shit. Like, it wastes no time being like, oh no, we're ramping up the fucking stupid. (laughs) We're talking peeling off wallpaper to find just scribbles all over the place, all equaling up to 23. It is... What? So they they peeled the wallpaper and there wasn't an Ouija board underneath it? thought about it i didn't know if you remember that exact reference <laughs> i'm glad your brain is a spoiled as spoiled. <laughs> it's so fucking good i mean it's not but like it is <laughs> i was cool. having a wonderful time watching it because it is i did not expect them to just go full throttle of like oh 23 yeah it shows up here and you do that and just immediately so the rgb value and you divide that like, oh, fuck man we're not even we're not even past the 30 minute mark but alright movie it's I'm excited for y'all to see the super badass version of Jim Carrey with long hair talking in a deep grizzled voice with tats all over his arms <laughs> it's, it's so powerful Chris this is a movie you won't watch until I tell you why you should watch it okay cause Canon Films friend of the show had a little ninja trilogy of their own so yes. I watched the first installment called enter the ninja and in this movie the main character is played by one franco nero our good friend Django himself just dubbed over because that's what you do yeah so it's him big burly mustache an italian man playing a texan who just finished his ninja training in japan and now he's traveling to the philippines to deal with land holdings and contract disputes (laughs) wow you really have my attention (laughs) but stay with me so you go into the village right and obviously you know you got to have like your fun cast of characters to go along with them and one of them is this man who goes by the name dollars he shows up he's got a big raggedy ass military jacket on he lifts like the one sleeve he's got a whole bunch of titty pictures to sell he lifts the other one he's got a bunch of watches and shit and the thing about this character is He's played by the grandpa from Silent Night, Deadly Night. So, Chris. <gasps> oh, okay. Buddy, that, that's what it takes. <laughs> you see that change up right there? It's just yeah. boom, and immediately you're in. The bad guy of the movie is this guy who's dressed like Colonel Sanders, big old fat guy who has a hook for a hand. At one point in this movie, our hero, who I just wrote or done as Django, because I'm sure he has some fucking name, rips off the hook hand and yells, Hey, you forgot something. And as he tosses it, a literal sad trombone plays <laughs> as the man scurries <laughs> off with his hook. And then, like, the third act just turns into him just murdering guards on a compound. It is 
exquisitely good. I have two more, and then I have four American Ninja movies lined up. <laughs> it, is, it is a good time to be a Ninja fan, folks. Ninja. Ninja. Ninja! I'll get to this one another time, because I want to talk about an experience I had at my good friend's house. Because we had decided, you know what? We have not hung out since all this started. Both big Star Wars fans. Let's see if we can do it, baby. Seven, eight, and nine. We sat down, turned on episode seven at about one o'clock p.m., I want to say. At 3.30, we paused it. Han Solo was still alive. We looked at each other and went, Nah. <laughs> turned that off. Skipped straight to episode nine. Barely made it through. Looked at each other and went, Man, that fucking sucks. And then put on Bloodshot. And that was my Sunday. <laughs> I had not rewatched seven or eight since we saw nine. I obviously hadn't rewatched nine. It is incredible how tainted that whole trilogy is. Just knowing every scene of like, none of this matters because I know where it's going to end. And the end fucking sucks. Every single breadcrumb either is wholly unsatisfying or is just dropped completely. And we just kept pausing it and fucking talking through it. And literally hours went by. And we're like, we're. We're not even, like, at the halfway point. You know what? Fuck this. And he's sitting there wearing his fucking R2-D2 shirt and just looked at me going, Man, I don't think I like Star Wars anymore. <laughs> like, he was dawning <laughs> on his face. And Chris, you'll enjoy this because he had a moment that you experienced on this very podcast where the orange-faced lady, Maz Kanata, comes on screen and is like, You know it's Lupita Nyong'o, right? <laughs> stares at me in horror. He says, No. I said, Yeah. He's like, it doesn't even sound like her. Pulls out his phone. I hear, what the fuck? I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, what man, movie I did, forgot man? that Chris found that yeah. out on the podcast. I, that's 100% true. I would. I don't even remember how it went. I'm not going to go back into the archives for it, but I'm pretty sure when you're like, yeah, Lupita Diago, I'm like, who was she? She wasn't. She wasn't that was when you started like, Oh no, I actually hate this movie now. This is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like that was you were like lukewarm in the middle between me and Alex, and that was like your turning point of like, no, Wait. fuck this whole franchise. Well that wasn't for nine though. That had to have been on eight. That was for eight. Yeah, that was on eight. Yeah. I remember that moment vividly. Yeah. I've never heard such raw emotion come out yeah. of me. <laughs> Boy, that what really the best actress is working. What the fuck is why does she look like that? I don't know, man. God, she's got Pete Davidson eyes in that movie too. It's his ghoulish face popping up every time I open IMDb can fucking stop. That, I'm over it. That too. I don't I'm know what the sick fuck. of it. Sick of his so yeah, it turns out, uh, Don't get between that Star Wars day and then just wake up reading. Hey guys, Boba Fett's coming back. Maybe I don't like Star Wars either. Like he's the dude that like grew up reading all the EU books. He's like, hey, we should hang out and watch the movies again. Don't suggest Star Wars. <laughs> <It's> like, all <laughs> right, man. So uh, everything's going great. Well, more importantly, how did he feel about Bloodshot? Oh my god, dude, that movie. <laughs> Watching his face knowing that he was going to get to the twist. Boom. And him being like, wait, is that guy Pierce? Boom. 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 Wait, what? Boom. 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 That movie just really goes so hard in that third act. It's that, that movie is so fucking good. I'm so excited for the three years from now. Is Bloodshot actually underrated? Yeah. <laughs> It is. Look at all the Oscars. It is going to win at the Academy Awards for that it's... underwater tie bow sequence. Look, it's properly rated here. Uh, just... yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the only we show the that truth matters. Sayers. Now, 
I got two more here. Chris, I don't want to, you know, you're a fairly straight-laced person. Like, I don't want to be a bad influence on you. I don't want to lead you down a path you don't want to go down. But last night I took a lot of shrooms and watched Speed Racer. Oh. And here's the thing about that experience. I would never coerce you into doing something you were uncomfortable with. But, man, <laughs> that was... It's like the most cliche thing. Oh, I wonder what this movie would look like on drugs. It turns out incredibly good <laughs> incredibly fucking awesome <laughs> the entire final race felt like my stomach was going on a roller coaster it was it's real chef's kiss and i think like even i was i was going in and out so i was actually still able to like evaluate it as a movie and not just feeling like i was going through the end of 2001 i think the movie just it's so fucking sincere that it earns it so many points yeah i think that like, definitely helps it a lot because we talked about the Brady Bunch movie a couple weeks ago. Like, yeah, if anyone else made this movie, there's at least a scene where someone's like, wait a second, your name is Speed Racer? Like, no, his name's Speed Racer, and that's Pops. He's his dad. Also, there's a monkey, and we're going to cut away to the monkey eight times. We're going to have a scene where they just, like, try and get candy and Freebird's playing. It doesn't... There's no winking. Everyone is so earnest the whole movie. Yeah, one of the best parts about it is John Goodman as Pops. He's so he- good. He wants this movie to be real. The realization of like, can John Goodman just kill a ninja is something that I'll never forget. Oh, that's middle. Pops is silly... a professional wrestler. You know he's done the Japanese shit too. Oh yeah. And the thing I really forgot, because for some reason I just always assumed that the Wachowskis directed V for Vendetta. I know like they had a lot of hands in it, but I thought that was just one of their movies. It was literally bound, the three Matrix movies. And then Speed Racer. That is insane to me. <laughs> That's a fact that I don't know what to do with. To have just all that clout in the world to do whatever you want and be like, no, we're going 1,000% in. It will make no money. And then 10 years from now, everyone will go, oh, man, we fucked up. But also, probably shouldn't released a week after Iron Man. Oopsie daisies. Well, I, maybe they didn't know that the MCU would be that good. And considering the state of comic book movies, I, I guess I can understand it. They just made the best one. <laughs> just nanites. Look over this, Chris. We kept talking about nanites the rest of it. We were <laughs> shit house by that point. Our bodies were full of alcohol and Little Caesars, and just a lot of rambling about nanites. It was man, I love Deadshot. <laughs> Bloodshot. Then after speed. Oh, I'm sorry. See, I always do that. I don't know why. Because my brain is. Isn't wait? Isn't like... Deadshot the the Will Smith yeah, character from Suicide Squad? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, like I've had a lot of Will Smith on the mind this week. Bad boys for Jump life. Around. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then after Speed Racer, we watched the Dexter's Lab episode about Speed Racer, which is incredibly good. <laughs> <laughs> that episode holds up in ways I did not remember. <laughs> it's really good. Shit, I might have to watch that too. <laughs> the final one, Alex, the Crim de la Crim, fantasy island. <laughs> When I messaged you that one of these central cast members was the Chinese guy from Patriots Day, what went through your mind? <laughs> so many things, but I'd have to subtitle them. <laughs> it's, it's, it, one of it's so. How far did you get? First of all, just talk. It's fine. Don't oh, it worry is about me. So fucking convoluted, like. We split up all the characters quickly. 
We'll just go like 20 minutes before we see one of them again. You'll forget most of the characters are in the movie at least three times. And then it all coalesces into the end into a series of like four or five incredibly shitty twists that are all horrendously dumb. But nothing will... <laughs> Alex, I'm going to spoil the end of this movie for you, by the way. So there's, there's wishes and there's fantasies. Don't worry about it. Our good friend, the Chinese man from <laughs> Patriot's Day, his brother dies in that movie, and he makes a wish to the island that, hey, he should be able to live and go live on his life, and in return, I'll stay here and live on the island with you, Michael Pena. <laughs> Michael's like, oh, cool. We'll have to get you a uniform. What should I call you? He's got some weird fucking name. It's really shitty. He's like, oh, no, I hate that name. Uh, you should call me my nickname. I got it in college. I lost a bet and had to get a really shitty tattoo. And he pulls down his shirt to reveal that the tattoo says, Tattoo. <laughs> and he goes, oh. All right, Tattoo, let's get you a uniform. And then the movie ends. I, I knew I it was coming. Fucking damn As it. you were describing Hyena it laughed to me. My TV. <laughs> like, I want to talk more about the movie, but also, I cannot explain it without someone else in the room having seen it. Because I'm, I had to open the Wikipedia. I was like, "Wait, who the fuck did he go back in time? Is that <laughs> that's his dad?" And then this, per- it's so fucking, like it starts, it goes, it's going pretty easy. They land on the island really early. There's like a cold island, a cold open to let you know, like, all right, this is, everything's not what it appears. Oh, no fucking shit. I buy a ticket. They get there early. <laughs> they get split up early, and things start going awry early. And then they all get split, and it just becomes the most convoluted. This I swear to God, the guy gets like sent back to Vietnam. It's I don't know what to fucking tell you. <laughs> You're gonna have to experience it. Oh, I will. Don't you it worry. Is. <sighs> I did laugh extremely. Hard. Like most of the jokes are bad, but uh, Chinese dude's brother had a couple of good ones that I was very embarrassed to laugh at. It is. Look, if I had paid to see this in a theater, I would have been livid. Luckily, I got to take another life as I stomped over to Redbox. And swiped my card. (laughs) Like, I'm not happy that I laughed at him grabbing a grenade. His Chinese brother goes to open it. And he grabs and goes, Dude, haven't you ever seen Band of Brothers? And then the next scene, he tosses like a baseball. And he whacks it with the bat full speed. It's incredibly fucking stupid. Also, it's it's not really a surprise, but like... They all get split up. One of them's walking through the forest. And then fucking Michael Rooker just appears holding a machete. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's it's really good, man. Like, Chris, you would you would not speak to me for a month if I made you watch it. Alex, you will have a wonderful time. <laughs> it is such trash. And also, like, it made no money, but also it cost $7 million. So it made back, like, ten times its budget. He just keeps winning, baby. Honestly, I'm probably going to watch this just based on the, that tattoo reveal because that, it's like, so embarrassing. as you were describing, you're like, oh, they, they just going to do like a thing. Even when it's that obvious, that's like the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, there's a moment early in the movie where he calls him T and he's like, dude, don't do that. You know I hate that. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Lo and behold. <laughs> Those Bojack Horseman tattoo I've ever heard. <laughs> it's. It's a tattoo that says tattoo in cursive. <laughs> That's how he got his name. That, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, Fan 4 Stick. <laughs> it's... Oh, my God. That 
that fucking movie. Like, I, I definitely thought about just, like, going beat for beat because there's so much, but, like, if you're willing to watch it, it's very much an episode. It's incredibly I, shitty. It does feel like an episode. We, it is... It is horrendous. <laughs> it takes, like... There's definitely a point, like, 45 minutes in, and I'm like, wait, what is the... What's the point of this? They've all found out that the island's bad. What are we doing? <laughs> Why is everyone still split up? Who's this fucking person? Are they zombies? Is there magic water? I don't... You'll see. <laughs> Movie raises a lot of questions and has no satisfying answers. <laughs> Much like law-abiding citizen. <laughs> okay. You don't say. <laughs> Let's talk about law-abiding citizen. <laughs> Uh, an award winner uh, of sorts. Well, not really. Uh, it was nominated for a bunch of awards, which I find somewhat alarming. The first one that it won. Here's one for you. It was nominated for uh, a Saturn Award as Best Action Adventure Thriller, but lost to Inglorious Bastards. The Saturn... Oh, t- t- neck and neck race right uh, there. <laughs> for a 1A, 1B situation. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Saturn Awards. The Saturn Awards are for science fiction movies. <laughs> well, so you know. what the hell is this doing here? <laughs> and then the second act happens. So, uh... Let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, which... Is... I will I will lead this off, because I watched this, yeah. like... Let's say two months ago and talked about it briefly. Watching it and then reading the trivia that originally the roles were reversed and Jamie Foxx was the Gerard Butler role, vice versa, and then rewatching it this time with that in my head, that would have been like 20 times a better movie. Oh, <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Also, Gerard Butler's kid would have got killed off. But let's think oh my God. start at the beginning. <laughs> so, Gerard Butler plays Clyde, who likes to tinker around with machinery. Oh, my God. Now, Gerard, we've called Gerard Butler a lot of things. Tinkerer, not among them. <laughs> we, I mean, we all started levitating as soon as that happened. We're just like, yes, the power. I can feel it. <laughs> I appreciate the throwback to Arnold Schwarzenegger getting these. Like, ah, this is John Matrix. To have Gerard Butler walk on screen be like, ah, my good friend Clyde, the inventor, is <laughs> real. Like, okay, absolutely go fuck yourself at Gary Gray, you hack. Yeah, so, uh, Clyde Shelton. Fuck you. <laughs> so his door gets kicked in, and his wife and daughter get killed by two bad guys. And it's <laughs> the only way to describe them. Yeah. Here's my first two notes. That is one dead meat kid. Oh shit, there she goes. Yep. That, I mean, yeah, it could have 30 been 30 seconds, obvious. man. It's insane. Uh, that's the thing about describing those bad guys. It's like, I want to say thugs, but you don't want to get racial here. Uh, they're, I mean, they have just. They are just bad guys, and they're very naughty, and I think that's sort of what they're trying to do here. So anyway, uh... <laughs> guys, it's okay. He said slugs. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we cut back over to uh, the attorney or a, a prosecutor in this one, which is Jamie Fox. Now, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the movie because the dialogue here is really good and it's delivered rapid fire, almost like His Girl Friday in a way, and it's. It all works. They're building a story. They're, they're like creating the narrative as you're watching. I'm like, okay, this guy's this, this guy's this. I like what I'm seeing here. I, I think I know what they're going to do, but I'm interested in watching what's going to happen now. You're setting up your pieces. You need to make sure that it's going to continue this strong. But as of right now, I like the setup a lot. Uh, basically, the way that it happens is that uh, Jamie Foxx is going to take a plea deal here. He's going to uh, have one of the guys, I guess it's 
uh, Darby is going to testify against Ames. I don't know why I remember the uh, the names here. And uh, that way Ames is going to get killed uh, and Darby is going to get murder three, which means he'll be out of prison in like five years. And Gerard Butler is not satisfied with this. No, my wife and daughter are killed. I want these guys juiced too. He's like, no, I can only get one of them. Honestly, you should accept this because some justice is better than no justice. It's more or less, more or less the way that the justice system actually works. It's a very realistic portrayal here at this point in the movie. Uh, anyway, as he exits the courtroom in which he's gotten this thing going, you see this sad, sullen Gerard Butler staring at Jamie Foxx who's shaking hands with Darby. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> uh then uh, he, uh, Jamie Foxx goes home and his pregnant wife is there and he you know, puts his ear up to her belly. And it's a really charming moment. Uh, Jamie Foxx is someone who could take like a kind of a, a bland scene like this. Like, oh, I'm talking to my unborn baby, that sort of thing. And kind of make it charming because he's Jamie Foxx. He's really good at this sort of thing. Then 10 years passes. Uh, I, and right there, I could immediately tell what I thought was going to happen. I thought, well, that's another kid who's dead meat. You know, that they have to be just dangling that meat on a hook in front of me, but they're like, oh, see, someone, someone's going to bite it. Wait for the shark to jump out of the water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you tossed your kid. <laughs> they keep digging it up. You keep seeing her. We keep cutting back to her without him home. Just her and her mom hanging out. You're like, well, surely someone's going to kick this door down. That's like the whole crux of the movie. What happened... No, just you're going to hear about her cello recital. Yeah, so let's talk about the cello recital, which is intercut with the lethal injection scene. Uh, I liked it, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, wait, were they trying to, like, tell me something there? Is that supposed to be, like, uh... This is is one of those movies that, like, the tragedy of it making you bored for stretches is you start to think about what you're watching and go, wait a minute, this is actually idiotic. I know, and that's like, the thing. It's like I keep thinking because filmography. I mean, film is about communication. They're trying to tell you something with the scene. So everyone starts applauding at the end of her uh, recital. Is that supposed to be like an allegory? Like people are happy that the guy got killed? Is that what they're doing? And it turns out, no. It's just we thought it would be artistic. That's justice, Chris. Okay. <laughs> and so the guy got a really painful death instead of just a normal fun death. Uh, <laughs> And, that dude dies 12 times over. Yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't have a very good time. And uh, is that supposed to be a comment about uh, capital punishment? No. Probably not. <laughs> this movie has major. absolutely nothing to say. It, Don't worry. No, I think it has several different things to say. It just, they all, all conflict right. with each other. <laughs> uh, you say so. Which, is, which means, end result, it says nothing. Uh, this is around the time so if we talked about we have Gerard Butler we have Jamie Foxx they leave the place after the the guy on death row Ames who didn't actually do the killings and has suffers a very a very painful death uh, they're like oh how did this happen sort of thing and we're introduced to in the background our third character Cole Meany our boy back again for, <laughs> hot off the trails of uh, 13 years prior was Con Air uh, happy to see him again. He's one of my favorite character actors in both movies that I've seen him in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I like he's on scene for like forty five seconds, and my note says, "Wait, is Michael Rappaport really not in this movie? <laughs> like, get a better agent, Michael. Fuck, better movie. This is the most Michael Rappaport ass role of all time, and somehow he's not in it. I don't understand." <laughs> 
Well, fuck the justice system. I can't. I can't fucking walk in there with a fucking gun. <laughs> so, uh, it's like, it's like how you said about when you get bored, you start thinking about it. Because, like, they find the fucking injection thing that says "can't fight fate" written on it, and when you're bored, you're like, "Wait, was there not like a quality inspection at any point? Was no one like looking at the canisters as they?" Injected them into this dude that they were murdering. Oh. So much to be like, ah, oh, shit. UPS is here. Ram jam these in these needles. Well, the reveal I, of how I'm, that I'm, happens <laughs> is extraordinarily stupid. It's so cool. I, like, I'm, I'm glad that that's what you were thinking about in the scene. Because what I was thinking about in the scene was the fact that prosecutor Jamie Foxx is just walking around crime scenes like he's Phoenix Wright. Like, <laughs> like, 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 like it's just, he's a lawyer. But also, he's doing all the police work in this movie for no reason. It is perplexing. <laughs> and, like, in, like, a snappy, quick, fun movie, I never would have thought twice about it. It would have been totally fine. But in this movie, it's like, oh, cool, he's wearing the bulletproof vest again. Oh, they're at a shootout. This is, like, why is this guy a fucking yeah, still lawyer involved. if he's doing all of this? I, I yeah. find that very interesting. And this is about the time where it's like, okay, they really need to do something interesting here. And this leads to the torture scene. Uh, oh he, find, he finds Darby and calls him, and through a bunch of uh, trickery and underhandedness, he leads him to an abandoned warehouse where he uh, dismembers the, uh, the guy. And he films the whole thing and sends it to Jamie Foxx's daughter. <laughs> like, That's a really good he bit. does to this dude, like, he just fucking opened the Hellraiser puzzle box. That man <laughs> gets tortured. He just, so he just fucking. Bad. He just mails this little girl a picture of Goatsy. Like, it's. <laughs> Oh, Parker! Oh, mom! The recital DVDs here. Uh, we'll watch it later. So, the, yeah, I'm gonna put it in now. So, I want to talk about that because, like, the mom's on the phone. She's like, oh, "In a minute, honey, this is a very important call." So, uh, she puts it on, and she, and she sees a guy cutting off like the legs and stuff like that. And she's like, "Mommy, can you imagine if the mom was just like, in a minute, I'm on the fucking phone?'" <laughs> also, like, why are you so eager to put it in? You were there. You don't remember what the recital was like. Who gives a shit? Yeah, why? I can't think of anything I want to watch less than a fucking cello recital. Mom, watch me hit this C note. <laughs> cello recital, really just way too central to the plot of this movie. Yeah, that's all-encompassing. The, the reoccurring yeah, part. Sucks. <laughs> if you are this girl's mother, do you walk in and go, oh, you shouldn't be watching scary movies like this? Or do you call your husband and go, oh, that's the worst fucking thing I've ever seen! You've got to come home. Oh, fuck. It's all fucked up. So That kid will never be the same. <laughs> that has broken her entirely. Yeah. So uh, this uh, they, they are able to apprehend uh, Gerard Butler. They find him here. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about this scene. This, <laughs> this is a great scene. This is, this is a scene where my enjoyment for this movie entered a different territory. Because <laughs> sure he's he's sitting there in this fucking knives out house or whatever, and so cool. he's he's tinkering because <laughs> people like to tinker. Man loves to tinker. He is making a set of wings, <laughs> like Daedalus, Man, who flew. To could the you sun imagine flew too close to the sun? <laughs> could you imagine if those wings showed up and it's like part of his grand scheme in the third God, act? I was he just like blew that. up the fucking mayor's. Fizz. <laughs> Just this, flew off. He just flies away from the bank with two just money bags in his hands. Ha 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 ha! God. Always Can one step imagine? behind, detective. 
<laughs> Could you imagine if the reveal of this movie is that he was tinkering the whole time on nanites? Oh my god, the bloodshot tie-in. So just blood make just like no, the third act is just Gerard is Butler with sense. overclock nanites. <laughs> anyway, as uh, the... <laughs> The SWAT team, oh FBI, uh, and Jamie Foxx come to his house to arrest him. He takes off all his clothes. <laughs> Such a power move to be like, oh, I hear sirens. He just... Let me pull my dick out. He just hangs brain. <laughs> and the first thing incredible. the SWAT team tells him is like, ew, get on your knees, ew. Because <laughs> it's a shot from behind. Him butt-ass naked is the day he was born. Police coming in. Jump cut to him being escorted outside wearing jeans. Who on the force got jean duty that day? It's a very drill thing. <laughs> sir, sir, let me put his jeans on. Like, at this it's, point... just, it's, it's the most obvious, like, there's a shirtless scene in my contract scene that I've ever seen in a movie. Like, oh no, we will show... Everything. <laughs> it is egregious. Well, like, at this point in the movie, I'm having a wonderful time. Correct. You've had that dude getting executed to hell. You've got him leading the other guy on a fucking wild goose chase and then dramatically peeling off his tiny mustache <laughs> and paralyzing him with <laughs> toxin from a puffer fish on this <laughs> fucking Assassin's Creed ass rigged gun. Chopping this dude. The scene where they walk in and just see like 20 body pieces strewn about. It's so the close-up of that head is fucking ridiculous. And Cole Meany saying, "Yeah, he's uh, he's looked better." Like there's a scene where he pulls a giant full-length mirror in front of the guy's face. So I was like, "I'm gonna cut your eyelids off so you can't blink." Also, this knife's for your dick. And then we just cut away, and I'm like, "Dude, this movie is five stars. What could?" Go wrong. That's the thing. So my first warning sign should have been the pufferfish gun thing. Because uh, th that was the part where I was just like, okay, that's really, really stupid. Well, you know, they gave him 10 years. It probably takes him about 10 years to invent that. Oh, no. 10 years was enough time for him to invent a whole bunch of other stuff. So he's he gets arrested. He's being interrogated by uh, J.B. Fox. And he's like, oh, I'll confess. I'll give you a confession if you give me this mattress. And uh, so he brings a mattress in there. I... I don't know even why I'm mentioning it. Uh, and then he's taken in front of a judge, and uh, he's really upset that the justice system would just let him go free, would just uh, allow him bail because he was able to quote some legal precedent. He's like, no, you should have juiced me a while ago. What are we doing here? So the movie is kind of doing like the the death wish by way of uh, uh, Dirty Harry. Uh, and at, at this point, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that they're going to, like, go full on into that right-wing, you know, vigilante justice sort of thing. And I don't think they quite do it, but they do try to make Gerard Butler out as a sympathetic character up to a point. Um, oh, oh, disagree. <laughs> Gerard Butler is objectively the good guy in this movie. Oh, oh yeah. I, no. I, I, it is not close. I, I, I'm not calling him the this... good guy after what he does. <laughs> I mean, you're not, but... I bet I know what the screenwriter was thinking. The screenwriter, perhaps. I, But I, even then, I'm not entirely sure that the movie's portraying him that way. I think that's an oversimplification of what's going on here. I mean, he kills, like, the the a bunch of innocent people on the way here. He takes a lot into his own hands and is portrayed as, uh, as fallen for it. And I understand... Uh, or, or, I, there is sympathy to be played for him. I understand that. And he makes some 
good points, I guess. Uh, but I, I don't think that the movie is really portraying him as the good guy. And I don't think that it's F. Freddie Gray it's not even. Guy. It's not even just yeah. Gerard Butler's character. It's the fact that Jamie Foxx's character is a scumbag in all respects, except for having a wife and kids. It is literally his only, like, humanizing nice trait. His character is a dick. And also, he's a scummy lawyer. Like, you can't tell me this director expected us to root for Jamie Foxx's character. It makes no sense. I think that the director did want you to, to root for his character, though. I, I think that that's... Uh, well, maybe not root for him entirely. I mean, I guess that's the, that's maybe that's the real reason that they had all those cello recitals. It's just driving, oh, no, 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 there's a good thing about him. Don't forget it. But... I don't know that I necessarily go so far as to call him scummy. I, he does some things that are definitely bad. I'm not going to argue against them, but I, I don't think that the plea bargain was necessarily the wrong move there. It was probably the right move. He just I mean, cares more he, about he, his courtroom KD ratio. Well, there's okay that that part in there. Obviously, he's <laughs> not doing it for the for the right reason, but I. This sort of thing goes on in the justice system all the time, and honestly, his, his logic. Yes, that's makes, the point. Yeah, but his logic. <laughs> that is literally the point of the movie. Then I'm on his. I'm on his side. Then I. I like his KD ratio. I. I think he's doing the right thing there. I think that some justice is better than no justice, and that the the case wasn't tight enough because of whatever bullshit. Bullshit. I think it was right. Maybe he was lying to Gerard Butler when he explained that the the evidence wasn't good enough or or what. I don't know. I I think Jamie Foxx is in the right, and I think taking the law into your own hands is wrong. I see. Like uh, I agree with that, but yes, like, but also the entire second half of the movie is Jamie Foxx taking the law into his own hands and being like. You should ever find whatever bullshit charging pull up and we can just do this now? Oh, yeah. Well, but, again, that is sort of where I stopped we'll liking get there, the movie. Yeah, again. Because we'll, it definitely we, escalated. I, I, guess we, I guess we might as well get there now. I've, uh, what's the one? Wait, okay, so he admits to. I'm just killings. thinking about him yelling and calling the judge a bitch in heat. <laughs> it really okay, so that's not, that's not the best part of the scene. The best part of the scene is the judge's reaction just banging the gavel over and over again, angrily staring at the going, dur, 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 dur. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> Like, I want to talk to the screenwriter, because, like, it's trying to be the giant speech. But also, like, he stands there and goes, what happened to right and wrong? What happened to justice? Two-second pause. I bet you take it up the fucking ass, and then scene ends. <laughs> like, that had to be ad-libbed, right? I think that was ad-libbed. 1,000% ad-libbed in the same way as all those lines that he fucking ad-libbed at that Benihana. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> like, this is, is a Gerard the exact thing. same energy, dude. Yeah. Because it has, like, nothing to do with what he's talking about. He's just like, I'm mad, I'm mad, you take it up the ass! <laughs> what happened to, I thought justice is blind, huh? What's going on? What about right and wrong? Fucked in the ass, bitch! Okay, I guess scene's over. <laughs> How do you not just cut two seconds earlier? <laughs> is this is this before or after we've met the prison warden, who's played by President Charles Lee? I was about 24. to mention that. They got the guy for 24. <laughs> <laughs> like the 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 like bit parts in this movie are so powerful. Yeah. Between him and Doug Stamper and Viola Davis entering at minute ninety for some <laughs> yeah, reason, yeah, that... just to dress him down three times. We'll get to that. <laughs> you guys are in big fucking trouble now. <laughs> Ate all of Dry Bones, Ruben Candy. Okay, so I, I think the next scene that we should His jump to freaks. is uh, the the kill inside the prison. That really, oh really, really bloody scene. Uh, like, I downloaded the unrated outside cut. of <laughs> same yeah. outside of VFW and maybe like one or two other things I've seen this year. That might be the most blood I've seen in one scene. Yeah, it is 
comical how hard he murders this man with a steak bone. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it was all planned so he could go into solitary confinement. Uh, yeah, you forget like the whole second half of this movie is just he gets jokerized and just has one of those joker plans like, well, all these 18 pieces are all going to fall into place and I've already thought through everything. I'm only in prison because I want to be in prison. Like, oh, the most suck my balls. Convoluted fucking, I just watched, I just marathoned two seasons of Rick and Morty and came up with my plan thing. Like, So I watched Skyfall three guy's... or four times. I've got some ideas here. Well, um, this guy's brain was expanding to hot air balloon levels when he concocted this plan. Well, you say Rick and Morty, Parker, you say Skyfall. I say The Intruder, uh, which we'll get to maybe a little bit later. Uh, which, oh boy. Very different movie. Not a movie that I wanted to reference ever again, but uh, here we are. Uh, maybe that ripped off this. Who knows? Um, I, I think right around the time that he kills that uh, prison guy, who I liked more than him, by the way, uh, that was what I really... Why? I, I, I don't know. I, I think I was like... It like wasn't even a character. He, yeah, he was. He wanted some steak. That was a very That's relatable... A character trait. That's a very relatable character. I wanted some steak, too. That steak looks so fucking right? good. Right? You know, he gets by, it. By the way, him being like, hey, uh, I need some steak, and then I'll give you what you want. You don't have the fucking garçon show up with a rolling cart with a little tray He's got on the top. uniform on and everything, but he got 30%. You hand this little fucker a paper bag. That's an interesting day. They fucking, they give the, they give the fucking guy bringing him his food, like, a wire and stuff. Like, bro, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> like, why are you, like, fucking loading this guy out? They give him an epic spork. He's standing outside the cell. <laughs> like, why do you need this? Man, the phrase epic spork just sent my brain crashing into foam It came adventure. out in 2009, so that's... With money, we doesn't we has. Doesn't has. <laughs> uh, right around this time, it's like, oh, you took too long to get my steak here. And you didn't take responsibility for my steak, which was not on time. So the lawyer for those two guys are dead. And the lawyer was not portrayed as... Uh, as a very sympathetic character because so he complimented let me, pause for, yeah. <laughs> let me pause for two seconds because I noticed this and I don't know if IMDB says anything on it because I'm sure it's in the goof section somewhere <laughs> but like they literally fuck up the steak order he asks for medium and they say explicitly they brought him medium rare like they literally <laughs> fuck up the order in their own well, that's the thing is that he like, drove me dead. insane yeah. Like, I was sitting there like, ah, Gerard Butler's gonna be like, oh, well, I asked for medium, so now he's dead. And, like, it just, no, it was just a goof, I guess. Yeah, I, I they didn't address, there were a couple other moments maybe you paid attention to, but Parker and I were like, we we were talking before what you got here, we were just like, wait, what? What happened? And we just kind of missed it. Uh, There's a couple yeah. lines at the end, though. Yeah, it's usually towards hey, the end. Wikip I read the Wikipedia, it didn't clear it up, so I guess it didn't happen. It's, it's, it's like voting fatigue, you're like, ah, whatever, he has a D next to his name, I'll just check it. So, uh, don't tell my dad I said that. It's uh, not how that works here, buddy, <laughs> let me tell you. So, uh, anyway, yeah, so that guy's dead, and he kills that guy, so he put in uh, solitary confinement. Solitary, which is located in the fucking dungeon the Yeah, it's located in, in the like, what the fuck is this? Uh, they take him deep underground into the fucking catacombs, but it's all part of his plan. Now, this is the part that I didn't quite realize. Uh, something may have happened here. If I missed something, call me out on it. Because the next scene that really comes to my head is they're visited by a guy in a beanie who tells them, 
hey, that guy can kill whoever he wants, whenever he wants. And he's actually a secret engineer <laughs> genius for the Department of Defense. And he invented a Kevlar necktie that can choke people. I I was so happy when I realized that fucking Doug Stamper has a cameo in this movie. <laughs> fucking... So he's, as you might remember, also in the fucking Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead movie as the security guard. Yeah. Which is... Oh, a, which okay, is... Okay. Which is no, a movie that I watched with our good friend Repick as we spent the entire movie just talking about him giving people the stamps roughly 200 <laughs> times. So whenever I see him in something and I just get to think about him giving somebody the stamps, it's all I need. It's like, like that was like maybe the most fun I had with this movie. I just go like, oh, fuck, he's going to give these guys the stamps. I can't wait. But here's my thing. You can call him Doug Stamper, and I know that's the name of the actor, but... I think it's far more... It's not the name of the actor. That's oh, his House of Cards oh, whatever. character. That, I mean, yeah, sorry. Uh, my my problem here is that he, in the movie, he's just some guy. He comes in, says his stuff, and <laughs> yeah. doesn't come back. Is it implied that he is Chester at the end who says, you didn't get this from me, and it has all the numbers things? I don't know, because the movie doesn't show him. It's a visual medium. I have to see him at least press enter. This scene feels like they were putting the assembly cut together and like, Alright, uh, do you have the backstory scenes? And someone's like, I thought you filmed those. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit! Um, get the stamps. <laughs> Stand here in this subway, put on this silly hat, and talk about a tie that choked him? I've, I've never wanted a flashback in a movie more in my fucking life. It made no Show sense. Me. Absolutely This movie's not. already two hours long. I can live without it. Yeah. Which also, like, that's a thing we say a lot, but... The nerve. Yeah, so... To go a minute over an hour 40 at most. Fuck, yeah. How dare you? Well, that's one of the things. It's like, now we see all his other stupid little inventions. The bomb in the cell phone. (laughs) I laughed. (laughs) That was where I was so out. That was so outrageously stupid. (laughs) So, like, I knew it was coming. Me too, yeah. It was like, it's really Cackle like an idiot. Like, like, just the way it's framed when she picks up and goes, I'm a judge. I can do whatever I want. And then her face explodes. The fact that this movie has the nerve to have a jump scare. Like, absolutely go fuck yourself, does it, Wait, does that count as a jump scare? It was the most Absolutely counts kill. as a jump scare. I don't, I, it doesn't uh, matter. It doesn't matter. Fuck, man. It's it loud and, like, like visually sudden. It counts as a jump I scare. I couldn't be more... <laughs> That's what they're going for. He, I, I, I don't know. I feel like a jump scare is something that you can't ever possibly expect. Or, like... I can't believe I'm referencing this. It's the only one that came to mind, but like Midsummer, that that's a jump scare. You know, that's like, oh, I, I didn't see that coming. He literally tells her, don't answer the phone. Buddy, I've got bad news about horror movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think you have a, a higher standard than is within reason. That's a good point. Maybe, maybe I'm out of line. I think my standard here is that she didn't drink piss beforehand. <laughs> he didn't say he was a good jump scare. <laughs> yeah. It was a loud sudden, because the first time I watched this, I watched it on the actual TV through Prime. It was fucking loud. It is like, loud. It, I, it was loud for me, it too. It is but... startling. I had headphones this time, and even I, I knew the exact moment was coming to the still again. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's so loud. It's so unnecessary. Yeah, I... <laughs> So that, thing, that scene was stupid. And then we can talk about uh, he kills six innocent people in cold blood uh, <laughs> with the bombs in their cars. Uh, oh, my God. The way they go one after another and we get the lingering look on the blonde's face. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, like she's fucking Wiley e. Coyote holding up a sign before she explodes. A sign that says, and like, the fucking, 
the fact that it was like immediately after they teased like oh well maybe she's involved in it and like you get no time to fucking stew on that because like you have this thing it's like oh uh, yeah like like someday i'd like to meet your boyfriend it's like oh he's not ready for that it's like wink at the camera nudge like perhaps i am in on it and before you have a second to let that breathe she just explodes it's just the laziest, shittiest fucking filmmaker. It doesn't even imply anything. I I think you're jumping to conclusions on that one. I can understand where you're coming from because maybe that's one possible conclusion. I thought her her boyfriend, Chester, was uh, Doug Stamps. So... uh, you know, maybe. Like, I assumed that this was a real movie. I'm like, oh, clearly this character wouldn't keep alluding to things if it didn't matter. Exactly. Well, Jokes on. That, yeah, it's like I've seen a movie does. before. I know what this character's role yeah, is. Yeah, but the... she has that whole speech about right and wrong, and then that, like, oh, my boyfriend, and then just gone. yeah, but just poof, out of the movie. I, I, I don't know that I can sign up because they dangle. The, the movie has a bunch of scenes that go nowhere. For example, Jamie Foxx's daughter. Uh, well, that's a, you don't know that till the end. By that point, point, yeah, I've been burned eighteen times. But that's the thing about the blonde when she's walking out of the. Uh, I guess it's the police station or whatever. No, the wherever they are. Uh, and they walk to their cars. The, the camera's just lingering on her. And you're like, oh, she's next. I know she's she's cooked. Everyone knows it. It's so obvious. And I think that was about what I started to realize that Jamie Foxx is in this movie maybe a little too much. Like. Yes. <laughs> You yeah. can almost hear the crowd going, dead man walking, <laughs> as they head to their cars. Yeah. Because like, I love the framing where it's like, if you don't do this for me, at 6 o'clock these people are going to die. And they're all just watching the clock like, 5.59, 6. Oh, right, we're, whoo, we're still alive, guys. Let's go home and get some shut-eye. And oh, they all exploded. It's so fucking silly. Like, it, instead of Jamie Foxx going out to all these crime scenes with a bulletproof vest and all that other shit, it should be... Well, Gerard Butler from Den of Thieves. Or, I guess, Mark Wahlberg from uh, that Boston bombing movie. Oh, yes. Mark Wahlberg. Who's in every Boston single movie. one of those scenes. <laughs> I saw the Man. Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, yes. Put the bomb to the Mark cause Wahlberg over there. Mark Wahlberg from Max Payne. <laughs> Law-abiding citizen, directed by Peter Berg. Oh. Five-star movie. 100%. Because Peter Berg actually knows how to make a movie. Yeah, well, okay, so you guys, you guys know who the director of this movie is, right? I'm well aware. Yeah. He has one good movie. Yeah, well... Well, two-thirds of a good movie. That third act's kind of trash. Also, thanks for ruining Fate of the Furious. Fuck yourself. I <laughs> mean... sucks. He he did do that dope Samuel Jackson hostage negotiator movie, which is a TNT classic. <laughs> oh, wait, he did? Okay. I will admit yeah, my ratings. <laughs> I see his name, I just see like, oh, I like most of Straight Outta Compton, and oh yeah, there was an Equalizer too, and that's about it. Didn't he also do Friday? Yeah. Believe so. Yeah, Friday. Yes. That was, I, oh my god. Yeah, that's that's his real movie. That was his directorial debut, which was uh, pretty impressive. Make Friday is your first movie. No wonder he got picked to do a whole bunch of other famous movies. Maybe I'm just racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because he also made this movie. So, oh, there's the Italian job. No, I stand by what I said. And oh, he did do Men in Black International. I'm tripling down. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a meritocracy. You got to earn your way into our praises. Uh, yeah, this is. I mean, what's next? What's next? I guess there's a. Yeah, this is the funeral scene. We gotta talk about the funeral scene. <laughs> oh yeah, we do. Uh, all right, so the funeral scene, uh, and we have the literal "Are we the baddies?" Uh, moment. Uh, to which, uh, no, it's the children who are yeah. wrong. <laughs> uh, which is this movie? Which is like trying to play it mostly straight. It's a little exaggerated, but trying to play it straight for the most part. 
to just fucking have an Ed 209 rollout is <laughs> it's fucking Hitchbot's revenge it's, in the middle of this movie. Johnny Five is alive. That thing just appears behind a tombstone. I remember watching because I was stood up, mouth agape, like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and then it just lights up that whole car. I will avenge Absolutely. them for you, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> like 30 straight seconds of minigun fire there's like a 10 second pause and then she shoots a missile <laughs> oh my god it rocket launching that car and blowing it the fuck up in the middle of a cemetery cole media's reaction is my favorite thing what the fuck is that <laughs> which took the words out of my mouth my man it's real Surely that can't be a oh my because that's the thing is that they keep talking about he must be having help on the outside or or maybe there's help on the inside there's someone in the prison who's helping him out and for the longest time I was like are they implying that Cole Meany is his best friend or something uh no no it turns out it's just he the has fucking robot. robots from Chopping Mall <laughs> that's so fucking cool <laughs> and then it's just gone it never comes back you just see hands <laughs> operating it like oh well. My work here is done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love my gadgets. So that's really Also, fun. if you have that, maybe just use that at every crime scene. Because what are a bunch of fucking street cops going to do when the kill dozer rolls in? <laughs> Honestly. Better movie. So yes. the Missiles! So Philadelphia Missiles. shuts down because Mayor <laughs> by the first indication we have. That this is in Philadelphia, by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For a while, I thought it was like, well, well, I guess you know how in Brazil they have that Christ the Redeemer statue or whatever. Is that in Brazil? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they and whenever you got a Christ the Redeemer statue, you got to have the helicopter that goes all around it and says, "Look at that, we got the Redeemer people." At the beginning of this movie, they have like some sort of like, I guess it's like a patriot or something with like a little that three uh, triangle hat, you know, and stuff. I'm like, who the hell is that supposed to be? Am I, I, am I supposed to know this person from like their silhouette? What, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, like like I like for most of this movie, I was like, this probably takes place in DC because every time I've ever seen seen a scene where they're talking to some shady government figure under a bridge, it just, I just that's the giveaway that it's a DC yeah. movie. And then they're like, ah, yes, I am Viola Davis, mayor of Philadelphia. And I went, fucking what? Yeah, I <laughs> I have to admit, I didn't know that. I haven't been to Philadelphia often, but okay, I guess I just missed all those parts of it. So yeah, they're in Philadelphia. Nothing quite like having a sense of place in a movie 95 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of all people, Viola Davis just happens to be in this movie. Was this an early role for Did she do stuff before this that was like well-known? Oh yeah, she's not a long Yeah. I'm, but why do you put her in here like at this part? Wouldn't you like... Dude, like... Ground your movie at the beginning, you know? It's such a slumminate role that I actually paused to make sure it was actually her. Yeah, I, I I know her voice, so as soon as I heard them, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> hey, I'm free for a day. You want me to go yell at Jamie Foxx? And she yells at them, like they're, if you she yells at them like they're the Ghostbusters, and they just let the biggest ghost in town free. <laughs> they're, they're fucking lawyers. What are they going to do? It's not their job to solve exactly, crimes. Exactly, like you guys. You're telling you me this man's department. behind bars and he's killing people? Man, I got a lot of clerical work to do. If I, do you have cops here? <laughs> 
So here's the part where she's like, you guys really screwed this up. I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like a lot of people have their hands in this pie. Uh, And I think the point is made now. He's like, you know what? We wouldn't have all this trouble if you had just put a bullet into his brain at the very beginning of the movie. And I'm like, wait, I think she's right. (laughs) But then we don't have the rest of the movie. Oh, wait. Isn't that what Gerard Butler's saying all along? It's almost like. Yeah. He's the real hero all well, along, I don't know well, that makes him the hero. It, it spares us a movie, <laughs> you know, so I guess that does make him Yeah, movie. I mean, you know, to some people, the Joker is a bit of an anti-hero. <laughs> and he, this man has been fully Jokerized. So why does, uh, why does Jamie Foxx get deputized as the new DA? What's, uh, what's the... Well, I, uh... He was already assistant DA. And the so DA just, met an unfortunate yeah. Kildozer accident. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, okay, now let's... Oh, go. that was the question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. this scene is almost a fucking turn in your badge and gun, but yeah, he's just a prosecutor. Yeah. Why is he being dressed down like, ma'am, have we met? Like, yeah. You're not my boss. <laughs> I, I really kept thinking that she was going to do, like, a, almost like a Three Stooges slapping them routine back and forth. <laughs> that might as well what she was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right, it is more or less like a gun and bad scene, but that doesn't come to fruition. Instead, she's... Damn it, you're too volatile. I'm taking you off the case. What? Yeah, okay. So instead, uh, she decides to lock down the city uh, because he wants to bring the whole system down! Uh, (laughs) She wants uh, meter maids to have bazookas. Uh, She wants a a literal cop on every corner. Uh, 12-hour-a-day beats. Yeah, that's not going to exhaust anybody. Um... And instead, she never thinks to check the sewers. <laughs> oh my god. Can we just... get his... The whole reveal where they go to his cell. And this is where the intruder comes that in because sucks. he dug tunnels. That Those ten years were him digging tunnels underneath the city of Philadelphia to every single cell in solitary confinement because what if he didn't get into the right one? I that maybe your movie's too ridiculous now, you know? That's somehow stupider <laughs> than him having control of a giant killbot. Like if you <laughs> just dug into one decade. cell in particular and he just happened to get put in there by sheer dumb luck, I would have been like, that's stupid. But like for him to do it to all of them, I'm like, alright, come on. <laughs> also, more interesting movie if there's like four different seasons of him like, alright, wrong solitary when I get out. I gotta slit this motherfucker's throat and hope they throw me in the right one this time. Instead of, you know, recitals. Oh, no, we'll get to the recitals. So, uh, he has a whole host of disguises and everything. I kept the, when he came upon, when he came across the police disguises, I really thought that, like, Cold Meaty was gonna take off his Cold Meaty mask and was gonna be, uh, Gerard Butler. They'd have a third man-esque chase throughout his catacombs. <sighs> Better movie. <laughs> A lot of ways this could have gone that would have made it. Yeah, better. Frank Darabont directing, for example. God, it's such a strong start. It makes me so sad yeah. how which it is it's a slow decline and it never stops getting worse. So he took the uh so he uh Jamie Foxx took his bomb and transferred it throughout the catacombs back to his cell, which is where uh Gerard Butler goes. And the whole thing while they're in these catacombs in the dark dingy cell all I could think about was Dracula 2000. Do you think his coffin's in there? <laughs> <laughs> they would just dig this hole for nothing. They gotta be hiding something down yeah. here. Why, why would you hide the <laughs> best dad ever bracelet in a safe? You hide it in a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> no one would think to look there. 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, he says, well, I guess you do have to work outside the log. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I taught you well. Well, training day all over again. Then he lights a bomb. I guess I learned my lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Parker, did I not tell you that he was going to say that? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it verbatim. My dude, it's fine. <sighs> like, this movie fucking ends with him. That realization, the bomb's in there, be like, huh. So he learned that sometimes real justice is going outside the system and committing murder. My work here is done. Goodbye. And then a cello recital. And then yeah, <laughs> which, again, the movie is trying to tell you something. Is the movie trying to tell you that Jamie Foxx is going to be very happy now at the end of the movie? Because now, if that is the case, then yes, Alex, I will sign on with you that Jamie Foxx is pure evil. Because he seems, like, just happy as can be at that recital. He's just like, well, I have my wife and I have my daughter. Can't say the same, can you, Gerard? <laughs> it's a real flex, real, hey, scoreboard, motherfucker. Hey, Where's yours? Everyone, stand up if you still have your wife and daughter. Not so fast, Clyde. <laughs> On your knees, Clyde. <laughs> this is like... This is what happens if you take the fucking scene in the guest where he's giving the kid the thumbs up for stabbing him and you play it straight. Yeah, yeah. And it just <laughs> does not yeah. work at all. You know, that's a really it's good comparison. It's so almost, fucking bad. Yeah. Like, the whole Batman thing is like, no, 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 like, no matter what, you do not ever stoop to their level. And this movie's like, gotcha, did the old switcheroo on you, now you're fucking dead. <laughs> gotcha. The whole point of the movie is, what if Death Wish and, Harry, and Dirty Harry didn't go far enough in the mold of Seven? <laughs> I did a sneaky on you. Oh, credits are rolling. Bye. Yeah the, yeah, the credits just start rolling. I kept thinking it'd be like, there should be a scene where, I don't know, Jamie Foxx stands up, excuses himself from the recital, smiling, clapping, leaves, and then pukes in the hallway. And that's where your credits roll. Because the movie... No, he's just like, <laughs> yep, uh, I tricked that motherfucker. He is in hell with his shitty family, and I'm here with my family watching this boring-ass recital. I'm a, not only did I finally stop this madman, but I'm a better person now because I made time for my daughter. I learned to value things in life. <laughs> what is this movie saying? Go to your kids' recitals. If You know what? That's the thing. Oh, that is exactly the point. of the, That's the crux of the narrative. If he had not gone to court that day and not taken that plea deal and instead gone to his kids' recital, he wouldn't have been involved in this. Should have gone. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Yeah. Now, thirty innocent people are dead because he just couldn't have gone to the recital. You know, one more. No one close to him dies. Just all these innocent people and random ass judges and prosecutors <laughs> are all fucking dead. Wives, widowed, children, fatherless. But I'm here at the recital. <laughs> it's literally all his fault for taking that shitty deal. It is. Yeah. Because I always read it as like he's like, oh, we got to plead. Cool. Yeah, sure, we'll just take that. With, like, literally no further investigation. Again, I'm on his side because, based on his description, it does seem like it would be hard to get justice for both of them. So, you know, you get justice for one. About the best that you're going to do. And I, I think that Gerard Butler goes too far. But if this is the way that they're going to play it, then what the fuck was the point? All right, do we have any final thoughts on, uh, on law-abiding citizen? Yeah, skip it. <laughs> Strong opening, and then, like... I don't think we can be understated. Like, he kills that... He cuts that dude the fuck apart into, like, 25 pieces. There's, like, an hour 20 of movie left. Yeah. <laughs> Which is 
absurd. You know, even though the movie is, you can safely say, not good, there are points where it could have been good with only small changes. Modify the ending just a bit so that Jamie Foxx is like, is like sickened by what has just occurred. Maybe that's a better movie. Uh, make some of the characters a, a little bit. Uh, maybe make them more of characters than they are, because some of them they're they're just in there for a couple scenes. They don't really like uh, like Logan. You know, President Logan is in there, and he doesn't really develop enough of a character to be remembered. But I think the best one is when you're showing the catacombs. And he's talking about he has a friend on the outside. What if it's Bigfoot just running through these catacombs, just knocking people off? Just clotheslining motherfuckers <laughs> left and right. Just, I'm just imagining them, like, you know, they find the, the abandoned building next to the prison that he owns. They start going through the tunnels, and the tunnels just take them to the middle of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's the curveball of, like, wow, this is a really long way to his cell, huh? <laughs> <laughs> What are these footprints? <laughs> and the movie ends. You'll never know. Well, at least it didn't say hoof prints. And that's the tea, sis.